Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. short rest. Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio and this week we are joined by our patrons for our monthly Patron roundtable. Uh, insert applause here. Uh, maybe a little bit of trumpets. Uh, we are joined by Bellari and Coffee. Coffee, say hello to the fine folks out there in podcast land. Hello. And Bellari, you do the same. Why, hello there. So this month, we... Uh, we we like to reach out to the patrons and, and ask, like, hey, what would be a good topic to discuss? What's something that's, uh, that's on and popping in the D&D and TTRPG community? What what subjects to, to broach? Um, and we have a great one next month that uh, our patron Darkwing suggested. Uh, but for this month, just as a little bit of t- a teaser, and it's very topical, uh, but this month, we uh, Tex suggested... A uh, a homebrew episode. He said, "Hey, the last homebrew episode we did was a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's all get together and and homebrew some stuff." So I was like, "All right, let's uh, how about some weapons? How about things that your players can use to kill your monsters, or possibly your big bad can use to kill the players?" Larry, do you want to start us off? You want to kick off the uh, the old creative uh, hype train? Sure. So um, I actually missed the part where it was weapons. <laughs> oh, of course. And I know Coffee did too, because he messaged me or he messaged the Discord. And he's like, hey, I've got I've got a homebrew, but it's a monster. And I'm like, ah, let's just let's just go with it. We've got a couple of weapons. So I I have a weapon idea. Don't worry. Oh, okay, then we're good. So it's just Bilari that didn't do the the, the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> I I I overdid the non-assignment but <laughs> um so um my my item is uh called the earrings of the polyglot um it's an artifact set obviously earrings uh has stats um in whiz and charisma uh the descriptions are basically um 
you've got your two earrings. They're sort of the the wrap around your ear type. Um, one is a dragon shape that loops around the whole ear uh, with the mouth of the beast resting at the tragus of your ear, that little bump in the front. And it's platinum color and the eye socket uh, has a deep red ruby. The right earring is a lamia that coils around the back of the ear with its head resting on the same spot. And it's a burnt color uh, copper with an eye socket of a deep emerald green. Um, the basic history of it is that it was created in the early, early years of his life by Halister Blackloak. And they were created to allow him to understand all languages, including magic languages that were spoken as they work like a babblefish and translate what's being said from any tongue into the native language of the user. And it whispers it into the ear. Um, during an unfortunate incident with his custodian in Undermountain uh, in later years, the earrings were lost or purposely discarded. Um some scholars think that this was because wild magic altered the original spells or that during the spell plague, they became imbued with sentience during a miscast experiment. Um, effectively, uh, in-game use when worn, the earrings give off a slight feeling of paranoia and calm at the same time. So you know everybody's watching, but you don't really care. Um, both earrings... Uh, need to be worn to gain the effect. Uh, if one is worn or found, it acts as a translator for understanding, and neither of them give the ability to speak the language. So people would talk to you in, you know, orc or ogre, and you would respond in common. Um, there is a 50% chance while using it, if you're concentrating on a conversation, like trying to hear... Uh, someone speaking softly in the corner or focusing on one conversation that they will translate it falsely <clears throat> completely wrong from what it actually is um if both are worn at the same time it's only a five percent chance and the two earrings um should be treated as separate entities think angel and devil on your shoulder without the ability to see which is which um during a long rest, uh, the earrings vie for control and have a 20% chance of guiding the next full day's words. Uh, each roll is separate so that it's not just a one and done type thing. Uh, if both fail or both succeed, nothing happens. If one succeeds, you either hear false things all day or you hear true things all day. Um. <coughs> It also has the ability, because of the sentience, for casters that's plus two to the spell duration by adding the uh, additional words to your casting that grant it the extra duration, and 1d6 extra damage for levels one to three spells. Uh, it also adds plus four to concentration during battle. <laughs> for melee, it adds... Uh, plus six to all awareness checks and plus two to any called shot check. Like, I swing for his Achilles heel. Um, <clears throat> it also makes them immune to being surprised. Uh, the cursed bad part of it 
Uh, <laughs> that, that's what we're waiting on. All right. Like, so this is all great. <laughs> this is all fantastic. Now, where's, where's the, what's the rub? <laughs> Why are these things here? Um, once attached to the ears, they can only be removed by dragon acid breath or equally powered acid like gelatinous cube. <clears throat> Since it dissolves all of your flesh and there's nothing for them to adhere to anymore. And it can only be done on a solstice day. So, like, twice a year. Um, all attempts to remove it will result in damage to the character and regeneration of the connection without the HP regain and heal. <laughs> so... Uh, think if you've ever had your ear pierced and you rip the earring out, you can put an earring back in, but it still hurts. Yeah, um, it certainly does. And if you if you try to cut it off with a knife, you take the damage and shock of the blade, but the cut in heals instantly, potentially destroying the material being used if it's too wide. <laughs> Sorry. So if you use like a, a large blade to chop off the person's ear, the ear will form around the blade and destroy the metal and the item. Um, if uh, one earring wins control for three or more subsequent days to start to translate, it'll start to translate the character's known language as well. And during short rests uh, and quiet times, it'll offer reassurance if it's the calm version or what are they trying to do if the paranoid version. As the earrings are constantly in competition, each win has a tally. When one side wins 10 times, it takes over control of both earrings until the next solstice, at which point they both go dormant. They're not removable under normal means for one to four days. Should one earring win control for five summer winter solstices in a row, the character becomes an NPC, either a paladin for calm winds or a mad arcanist for paranoid. <laughs> and that that's my, my item. The earrings of the polyglot? Yes. That's uh that's something. That's I mean that is higher level for sure. Definitely. You're not yeah, you're not you're not doling that out at the beginning of a campaign. No. Well you you could. I mean you could well, if you just yeah, <laughs> if you just wanted it to, you know, completely uh nerf anything that you might throw at the uh at the players for sure. Yep. Uh, so like I said, this was this was our patron's text 10 stars idea. Uh, and he sent me a little something. Uh, he said a funny item that he was thinking of was like a box, like a box of sitting. Where it's just like, you know, like just a box that you can sit in. Um, but after a failed wisdom save, you are compelled to sit in this box. And he said that he wanted <laughs> to give it like a dumb name, like the box of sateen. <laughs> Which I thought was just chef's uh, chef's kiss, uh, and it was inspired by his. Well, I don't want to say newborn because I I think the child is uh, has already celebrated at least one birthday, 
uh, inspired by his baby who was always compelled to sit in any box. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Nice. So, coffee. You said you got you had a you had a monster force and a weapon. Let's hear the uh, let's hear the monster first. Like I I you sent it in the Discord, and I wanna I wanna know more about this um absolute nightmare fuel creature. Well, I can tell you how it came it came around IRL. Yeah, let's let's hear it. My older brother printed it off the PD printer. Uh, okay, so. It is a Dicosaurus Rex. It is the body of a T-Rex that is with the head of a male's reproductive organ. It is... Look, if I saw a T-Rex <laughs> running at me, I would be terrified. I, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, well, I mean, I, I would run, for sure. Like I, I mean, I've seen Jurassic Park. You know, I I would at least know like maybe I could stay perfectly still, maybe I could try to like outrun it. You know, I've I've seen Jeff Goldblum handle this sort of situation. Uh, if I saw this thing running toward me, I I, I have no frame of reference that to, to how do I combat this? Um, I'm I don't know if this thing eats me or 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 what smashes me, uh, with its testicles or, but I'm I'm dead meat no matter what. So what what kind of what kind of hit points does this thing have? Coffee? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would depend on the size cuz on the based on the yeah. picture you have you have two you have a, a larger one and I'm guessing probably like a baby. And so it just depend like you know just like there are different size dragons, you would have different yeah. size uh dicosaurus rexes. And so uh so yeah, I guess it would it would depend on the HP. So uh, how about the weapon that you have for us? So I have I have two 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 weapon ideas. So right, let's go. First one is a rune powered crossbow. All right, all right. Now what is what does that do? What's uh what's the uh what's the special features of this weapon? So I was thinking that it'd be a you know, crossbow with you know, some wounds etched into it. Possibly either the shit. So I'm looking at the like wounds right now. So I mean, like what kind of runes? Like runes to uh, like like palm pop. Mm, to increase the range and damage ah, of okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Probably. And so, are you able to modify these runes? Are you able to? I would say uh, yeah. You can probably you can possibly change or add or add or remove uh, runes depending on how you want it to be uh, used. Okay, okay, okay. I would say that for to to modify the runes, it would take at least. Um, you have to go, you have to do something you, could, you can't just like it not necessarily a quest but there has to be some sort of process like you has to take a, at least a day or two like you know like whenever in your campaigns when yeah you're in town and you're like okay well you're in town then you hand wave a week or so 
like that's something that you could be using that time to do is to to go through the ritual or whatever it is to 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 modify those runes. So okay, all right, I like that. I like that. And what's the what's the second one that you have? So have have either of you ever played Monster Hunter? Uh, I played Monster Rancher. I don't think I, it's the same thing. <laughs> no, probably not. I I don't think I've actually played it. I've seen it streamed all over the place. So, so if you if you ever like seen it at all, like you know how like some weapons can like transform between like a ranged weapon and uh, like a melee weapon. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking something like that for a, like a longsword and a crossbow. Okay. Okay. So it can change between one or the other, depending yep. on your the, your position mm-hmm. in relation to the enemy. Yeah. Okay. So, how would you go about changing it? Like, was it? Is it? It's like a. I would guess like a full round action. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, it would take at least one action to change it. I mean, I'd say that. Yeah. I mean, depending on. I mean, something like that is. I would. I would say. It, it, you have to essentially like give up a turn to to do that which i mean it's it it would come in very handy i mean if you have your the sword at you know on your on your hip and then you come across you know some goblins or kobolds or whatever it may be you know that are 60 feet off and they don't notice you be very handy to all of a sudden have a crossbow or you know or something ranged uh, but at the same time you know like changing it just there has to be some some cost to changing it i think like losing a turn possibly or um or maybe even you have to make like a some sort of arcana check as it might be like a magical weapon or maybe or maybe uh it's something that uh you know maybe it's maybe it's man-made yeah with both these i was kind of going to like like my like artificer kind of Stage, okay, like as soon as I as soon as I thought of uh, the Arcana check, I was like, oh, but but Coffee's an artificer guy. He's he loves those artificers. So yeah, maybe something that uh that uh, maybe something handmade, and um I don't know some kind of um sleight of hand check just to be able to swap to change it from from one weapon to the other without a drawing attention. Yeah, like. He folds over the hilt, slides up, and becomes the bow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely doable for sure. I like, I like that a lot. I like that a whole lot. Well, as far as uh, uh, our other patrons go, Grim, unfortunately, was un- unable to join us. But I spoke with him earlier about uh, about his homebrew weapon. Let's hear what he has to say. Um, so I have come up with a plus one double-edged blade made of obsidian. Now that's important because obsidian is brittle and breaks easily. And the handle is made of ivory. It can be any blade. Doesn't matter. I'm thinking in this particular case, probably more convenient to be a dagger, but DM discretion um okay so it can be any any type of scimitar longsword whatever but yeah exactly just has to be made of obsidian 
and the same one of the important things right so the the problem with this blade or the perk of this blade is that once every long rest when the blade breaks by accident or on purpose 1d10 swarms of locusts flow out of the broken blade attacking everyone but the wielder in a 90 foot radius of the blade the blade will restore itself after a long rest or during the night hence get or thus giving it the ability to be broken again so that includes friendly characters yes okay now we're talking these swarms contain various diseases that can inflict conditions such as poisoned exhaustion stunned and blinded the locusts will also consume any food in the 90 foot radius including the food that your characters are carrying the locusts will leave and fade away once everything in the area has been consumed food and creature alike oh oh lord okay so so they they either fade they either eat everything and then fade away or uh and that's so that's a 90 so they they stay in this 90 foot radius the entire time um yes so until until everything is consumed in that 90 foot radius they stay in that radius but once everything is consumed they kind of leave and just fade away so it's impossible to really capture any of them well, I mean, if they're also summoned by by this blade, you you wouldn't. I wouldn't think that they're you know, um, you know, prime you know, of the prime material plane. I would think that there there's something else. Uh, okay, okay. So once every well, after every time it breaks, once every long rest, or just every yes. time it breaks. Okay, so once every long rest, it can you can call forth a swarm of locusts or other sort of pestilence. Uh, mm-hmm. to attack everything but the wielder. Yes. And they will eat everything in a 90-foot radius uh, yes. and, 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 you know, and, and until in, we'll do so before they dissipate. Uh, I like the, I, I would like to see like a, um, maybe not anything crazy, just like a D6 random table of, you know, maybe it's locusts, maybe it's um, like some other, like a uh, vermin, like, you know, like cockroaches. <laughs> that would be disgusting. Like oh, just gave myself the heebie-jeebies thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought about flies, I thought about locusts, I thought about cockroaches, but I ended up, um, for no particular reason, I ended up settling on locusts just because the uh, I took inspiration from the plague that are like the... Like the biblical, biblical yes, plague? Yes, area, right yes, yes, that's what I was taking inspiration from. And the weapon itself does have a name pestilence and famine there you go so So what i mean you took inspiration from the like old testament uh biblical plagues but what was the inspiration for this like when we when we gave out the homework to the patrons to to concoct a homebrew weapon what made you think i want something buggy um it's not something i've explored before I don't, I typically when I'm coming up with ideas for whether it be characters, weapons or anything like that, I don't come up with poison. I don't come up with insects or 
anything like that. So I was like, let me go ahead and step out of my comfort zone and see what I can come up with. After scrapping a few other ideas, this is what I ended up coming up with. Well, I like it. Let's see what uh, what the other patrons have to say about it. So the Pestilence of Famine, a Obsidian Blade, oh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, it could be a, a dagger or a scimitar, whatever, you know, it can be modified as such to to sort of fit the character. Um, but the, the Blade's Obsidian, the, uh, the hilt is ivory, and every time it breaks, it unleashes a swarm of, uh, well, Grim said locust, but... Uh, I suggested a probably a D6 table. You know, and then I suggested cockroaches. Uh, when I brought this up earlier, Bellari, you had a delightfully disgusting suggestion. Spiders? I mean, 90 feet of spiders or roaches or locusts or wasps or anything like that it, would be utterly terrifying. It kind of depends on what the 90 feet is, though. If it's a 90-foot circle and it's only like, you know, one deep all the way on the ground not so bad yeah i wouldn't guess that it's that it's uh <laughs> a half circle filled <laughs> 90 no no yeah yeah of, of whatever it is would be absolutely horrendous i would say uh i would say it'd be enough that um that you'd want to run away <laughs> you know it's not just like a handful here and there and they're just going to be munching down on whatever's in that circle you know until they consume it I mean, it's it's an it's a it's a plague. It's a plague sized. <laughs> then there's also the the idea that you know, what if you're sitting at home resting after an adventure and someone knocks it off the table? Oh, oh no! It's, oh it's, no! It's it's obsidian. I'm like, it's look, to break. You're keeping that in the scabbard 100 percent of the time. You're not using <laughs> it. Like you are. It's it's going in a metal box. Uh, that's that is created with like velvet inside of it, a velvet pillow to place inside of it. Yeah. That's, it's not moving unless you're using it. Um, but yeah, I, I like the idea of it. I think um, if the, if the circle is static, that is to say, if, if it stays in the same, if it stays at the 90 foot point or the radius is 90 feet from where the blade was broken, I think that keeps it a little from being a little too OP. Uh, however, if you are to level up this weapon alongside your character, which I am a huge fan of, I I love being able to continue using the same weapon that I that I enjoy for whatever reason. I enjoy the look of it. I enjoy like what it does. I mean, like we've all played, you know, our Skyrim's and our our yep. our Fallout's and our D and D's and our other TTRPGs, and we sometimes get that one weapon that we love that we often essentially outgrow, we outlevel and, you know, we, st we still want to use it, but it, we would be at a disadvantage. And so That's where all the fun comes in. He's just trying to figure out how to, <laughs> how to gain the system while using this completely underpowered, like, you know, shotgun or, or my, uh, samurai my blade. Awesome plus one blade. It just looks cool. I don't care how much damage it does. I'm sure I had to stab him 490 times. <laughs> no yeah exactly so like you know leveling up the weapon to coincide with how your your character levels up and so yep. something doing something like that maybe at you know once it does level up you know now at this point 
it's no longer the the circle now becomes dynamic. It now is a ninety foot radius from wherever the the hilt is, from wherever the the you know the the blade the the hilt is being carried. So you could literally like chase uh an orc, an or you know a band of orcs uh with this broken blade and a ninety foot radius of spiders behind you. <laughs> but then and again. Then we- you have to when be you careful. decide to retire, you you could just open up a landscaping business. No, right, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, you need these uh, you need these crops taken down. I got you. I got you. Give but, me five uh, minutes. I wonder. I mean, the, the the other thing too is that it's it's anyone in that in that circle. So this definitely takes a lot of communication between party members. You don't just want to bust this out willy nilly. And you know, have your your you know fellow paladin. It's kind of like the perfect barbarian weapon. It is because yeah, I was gonna say like yeah, but there are like knowing a lot so of the people that I play with, they're gonna do it and be like, just run. They're they're dumb as stones. Everybody move back. Watch this. Right. Exactly. Hold um, my need. Or I love the idea of like possibly it breaking on accident. Like, you know, like perhaps you're wielding it as the normal plus one blade that it is, uh, and you roll a nat one. And again, yep. like this being a homebrew episode, I am a fan of homebrewing rules as, as well. I love crit fumble charts. Yep. And so you roll a natural one, and then so like maybe you roll like another d20 or uh, whatever it may be. You know, evens. Uh, it doesn't break odds, it does. And so at this point, you're no longer able to control you know, where everyone may be. It becomes more fearsome than a candor saying, oops. Exactly, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Just that, that weird little snap of the blade. Ah! What's my movement speed? Quick check. <laughs> well, we're going to take a uh, quick break go to the middle of the show and when we come back i'm going to discuss uh my little homebrew item and see uh see what we can uh, figure out for it hello welcome to the middle of the show of course the middle of the show is where we discuss D news and other you know ttrpg news at large we take a look at the dms guild or just check out some other homebrew shenanigans and of course it is where we thank our patrons. Thank you so much to everyone who supports the show over on uh, patreon.com slash dndlorecast. And this being the patron roundtable, an extra special shout out to the patrons who uh, have a standing invitation to join each and every month. We've got Jeff and Alex and Bellari and Coffee and Darkwing and Grim and Tex Tinstar and Mr. Antisocialize. Thank you so much for supporting the show in the way you do. And if you are also interested in supporting the show in that way, uh, get some free swag, get some early episodes ad-free, get some bonus content, bonus episodes, and Patreon Plus installments, then just just head on over to to our Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, and you can uh, you can support the show in in a way that helps us grow in very uh, specific ways that we wouldn't be able to grow otherwise, um, like uh, commissioning art to produce merchandise or to um, to help us help with the upcoming magic items of the week uh, 
tome that we're putting together. So yeah, all all the support, every penny from the Patreon goes to goes to that essentially goes to essentially helping pay other artists. And we 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 love that. We love getting to pay people for the artistic things that they do. And if you are interested in supporting the show in other ways, of course, you can go to um, Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify. You can leave us five-star reviews. Let us know what we're doing right. Uh, give us some constructive criticism on what to do better. And uh, you can follow us on all of our social medias. You can follow us on X or whatever it's called now. Uh, you're following us on Threads, Mastodon, uh what whatever other one they're all all of them you know and then the other usual suspects your, your twitches your instagrams your tiktoks all that stuff and regardless of how you decide to show your support and your love for the show we we thank you from the bottoms of our hearts we thank you so much for um for encouraging this sort of wacky behavior that we exhibit each and every week here at the D Lorecast. now as far as D news goes well of course uh baldur's gate 3 is still uh, the talk of the town. It's the bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, uh, the potatoes potato. I just made that one up. Um, yeah, everyone's talking Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, our lore mistress has a copy of it, and it will be streaming it soon. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, that we were able to... And again, like you know, the, the patron support helps to pay artists to create uh, um, Twitch overlays and, and, and icons and emotes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, that's what's going on right now. You know, we're gearing up for the release of um, the full campaign of Fandelver, um, the Book of Many Things, and of course, obviously, Planescape. We'll get back to our lore dives into Planescape here next week. Um, but everything's sort of like you know gearing up for the end of the year. There's tons of cool stuff to um, buy that D and D fan in your life, um, and especially if they're um, they enjoy their their whiskey, if they enjoy their adult beverages. Uh, because none other than Matthew Lillard uh, will be selling. Uh, Matthew Lillard, you may know him from um, the movies, the the picture shows, the movie, the the, the talkies uh, from Scream, uh, Scooby Doo, all that. And of course, he's well known as a um, huge D and D nerd. He is behind uh, Beetle and Grimm. Grimm's who um, uh, they produce like these really high end editions of the D and D books. I'm talking like like very beautiful like it's uh like bucket list to have like a complete uh um you know uh the, the complete set of them all but anyways matthew lillard is producing through a company that he founded along with a couple other folks uh find familiar spirits a uh they're launching quests end which is a D theme series of 16 uh versions or known as expressions of blended bourbon whiskeys um, the bottles will be uh, like you know specially made and be accompanied by chapters of a new D and D inspired saga written by Kate Welch, who is a veteran DM and game designer. And so that's going to be coming out here pretty soon. Uh, the first of which, the first expression known as Paladin, will actually be out. Um, you can pre-order it online starting October fourth, uh, and it'll be released in November. So. Uh, let us know if you are a fan of D&D and of the uh, the secret sauce. Uh, take a gander. Let us know. Take a sniff. Like you, uh, a snifter. Is that the correct term? I'm not exactly sure. And uh, let us know what you uh, what you think. And as far as homebrew shenanigans go, well, there is. I got a, I got a humdinger for you. So if you go on to DMs Guild and you search 
for the term Lord Heimhart, you will find a gaggle of releases. Not one, not two, but 17 of them. Collections of magic items. So, Lord, and luckily for you, we'll have a link in the show notes. So you don't have to go searching around, like fumbling in the dark. We'll we'll feed you baby birds. So Lord Heimhardt's Collection of Magic Items, Volume 1 through 17. You can buy them each separately for about 2 to $3, or you can buy the entire bundle for 34 bucks. So at two bucks a piece. So each magic collection item has um, various, you know, about 20 to 30 or so. Uh, unique and rare items sure to add a great new dynamic to your adventuring party. Uh, just in the first volume alone, you get some rings like the Ring of Bodily Change, the Ring of True Leadership. Uh, you get weapons and armor like the Robes of Elven Slumber, the Breastplate of Bravery. In volume two, you get the Belt of Fortitude, the Necklace of Magic Imitation. You get the Choker of the Devil's Tongue. Uh, it's a lot of cool stuff, and they have um, it's got a five star rating across the board. Uh, I mean, like I said, there's there's seventeen of them. There, you are not going to uh, be you know, at a loss to find something cool and unique out of one of these books. Uh, I mean, at twenty items, twenty or thirty, let's say twenty five items, rough on average a piece, at twenty seven or seventeen books. Um, I'm going to pretend that I know how to do math when I'm secretly uh, using the calculator app on my computer. That's over 400 magic items at your disposal. Uh, like I said, you can buy each volume separately for about 2 to $3, or you can buy the entire collection for 34 bucks. That is not a bad deal. 34 bucks is half the price of what you'd pay for a official brand new physical book. And you can have this PDF for 34 bucks. It's, uh, it's a heck of a deal. We wouldn't steer you wrong. And here, again, like none of the stuff that we recommend None of this stuff this isn't, we don't get kickbacks. We don't, um, we don't, you know, we, we aren't paid by the creators to, to, you know, um, to shill their products. This is all stuff that we find and use and love and want to spread, you know, that use and love for. So that being said, let's jump back to the patron roundtable. Let's finish up our discussion of homebrew magic weapons. Welcome back. We're discussing homebrew weapons and a few monsters with uh with our patrons. This uh this little concoction that I have um that I thought up. It's uh I for some reason I I'm thinking war axe, but it could be essentially any weapon. So but it's the you know the war axe or the long sword, whatever the 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 scimitar, the dagger, whatever it may be of the elements. And this weapon has been blessed by uh, the elemental planes of, you know, of, of air, wind, uh, fire, water. And so you can use it. Essentially, you can use this to produce that type of damage. As well as, you know, if, if it's a if it's yeah, as well as it's normal like bludgeoning uh piercing slashing damage whatever it may be it also will do um and this is something that can that can be leveled up with your character so it'll start off at like a 1d6 
of like fire damage or 1d6 of um um like a frost damage with frost damage, right exactly um and so and so then it levels up it does 1d8 uh and i said i will cap it at probably 1d12 um but the thing with it is so after every long rest you can perform it's a short ritual to change the type of damage that you want to inflict with your weapon um however you can change it mid battle oh but to do so it takes it's a full action and it also takes a bit of your uh, like a bit of your life force with it you have to give something up to do so and so you lose 25% of your hit points that you have at the time. Jeez. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it could be a boon if you come across uh, some creatures that are obviously, um, you know, what fire damage would be just aces to take them on or frost damage, whatever it may be. Uh, like knowing that you could change, you know, you could perform the short ritual that takes a full action or a full uh, round and give up 25% of your hit points and then start doling out that damage. Yeah. And, or, you know, possibly turn the tide in your favor. Like you happen across a troll, you're going to lose that 25% anyways. I mean, <laughs> probably, <laughs> but you don't, yeah. But then there's the thing is like, you also have lost 25% of your hit points. Well, that's what I mean. He, he's going to hit you, and your sword's going to do nothing until you do something. So, no, right, run away but... from him and change it. Sure, it hurts a little bit, but... <laughs> but if he ends up hitting you again, then you're in trouble. And so, like I say, like I, when I like when I homebrew items, I like to, you know, there's there's got to be a little uh, sour with the sweet, you know? got to be something that makes it you know not a hundred percent great right as far as like a homebrew monster goes a coffee inspired me with uh with his absolutely nightmare fuel uh offering uh but what if you have a monster that will eat you however you aren't digested immediately like you aren't chewed up and then swallowed it just consumes you like you know like you know pinocchio and the whale and you're slowly and this isn't uncommon in D. there are several creatures like this and you know you end up taking um say like 1d4 acid damage every round that you're inside um but if you are able to get out of the creature, depending on how you're able to get out, you're able to, like maybe the creature like is under your control for a time. Like I'm, 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 I'm kind of spitballing here. Let's let's come up with a creature right now. Well, it would it would sort of depend on how you got out of it. If you opened up his belly probably not going to be all that useful after 
Well, maybe it's a uh, maybe it's um some sort of ooze of sorts. And so like or you're a- you're able to like maybe maybe like make a will save. And depending on the the success of the will save, like let's say like it's a DC thirteen or whatever it is, you roll at least an eighteen. You roll five. You succeed by five or more. You escape, and not only that, but then the the creature is under your control for, you know, one d four rounds. You you could go a step further, and make it. Not necessarily under your control, but enamored with you because you survived. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's impressed. It it just follows you around and does stuff to impress you. Like, oh <laughs> do, do you want me to go eat those things? I'll go do that. Hold on. Like an overeager puppy. <laughs> oh man, okay. So like it's some sort of like ooze puppy. <laughs> ooze puppy dog <laughs> that'll like or like cat that brings you like dead uh like birds to like you know on your doorstep to impress you <laughs> it'll bring you like like a human skull and like wait, wait wait where did you get that what where did that come from it just shows up every couple of days with a beggar just drops it on your door like wags its tail okay okay so like an ooze hound and if you are able to survive, like if you if if you're able to, like I said, you know, escape its grasp, escape its maw, then you it becomes enamored with you and begins to like like you said, like follow you around. I don't think it should be, you know, um, continuous. I think it. I think there should be maybe for like one, like like one d four like days or weeks. Yeah, know? I was gonna say like just for a week, it becomes your best friend bringing you crap. Oh yeah, that yeah, I like I like that a lot. Some sort of like ooze hound, and, and not stuff you send it off for. It just wanders away in the morning and comes back at night with things. Oh yeah, and the DM could roll like on a random table and sometimes those things are completely useless sometimes those things are you know something that could be used by the party and sometimes the things that the ooze hound brings back are exactly what the party needs yep or or it could bring back zombies or yeah it could bring back yeah it's like <laughs> something that will want to kill you pretty much anything that it can eat it can bring back and then just regurgitate or extrude. Right, right. And like, so once, yeah, once it eats something, it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, that thing is going to be dead soon. Uh, because like, yeah, like it could just like, you know, vomit it back up. So I'm looking up, I just Googled Ooze Hound and there are a couple of uh, uh, entries already, like homebrew entries already. Uh, one is off of Reddit. And I'll link to that in the in the show notes. Um, it's a, a medium ooze, obviously. I can spider climb. It can climb difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings, without needing to make an ability check. Uh, it also its actions include um, by, uh, pack merge. While the ooze hound, 
uh, has a ooze hound ally within five feet of the creature and the ally isn't incapacitated, the ooze hound can move up to its speed and enter a medium or smaller creature's space. That creature must then make a DC 11 dexterity saving throw. On a successful save, the creature uh, can choose to be pushed five feet to an unoccupied space of its choice. A creature that chooses not to be pushed suffers the consequences of a failed saving throw. So, and on a failed saving throw, I don't know why you would choose to not be pushed. Uh, on a failed saving <laughs> throw, the ooze enters the creature's space and the creature takes um, 2d6 acid damage and is engulfed. The engulfed creature can't breathe, is restrained, and takes 4d6 acid damage at the start of each of the ooze's turn. An engulfed creature oh, can I just want hugs. It just wants huggies. Uh, an engulfed creature can try to escape by taking an action to make a DC 11 strength check. On success, they escape and enters the space of his choice within five feet of the ooze hound. So very, very similar. Uh, operates more like a uh, like like a standard ooze. And this other one I actually found on Pinterest. Uh, this looks to be... Uh, this looks somewhat official, but it's... Um, it's listed as homebrew. Uh, so the ooze hound. Ooze hounds are neither hounds nor oozes, but have similarities with both, at least on the outside. An ooze hound is a truly hideous being created by foul sorcery. It can be smelled well before it is seen. The overpowering smell of the slime it is covered in resembles the stench of rotten eggs. They live in wet, secluded locations such as swamps, lakeside caves, or even sewers. Uh, so this one, uh, in uh, juxtaposition to the previous ooze hound, this one is a solitary hunter. An ooze hound claims an area large enough to sustain itself as its territory and guards it fiercely against all possible intruders, including other ooze hounds. It may tolerate creatures that are significantly smaller than it, provided they keep their distance and don't seem like a threat. Um, like I said, it's covered in a sticky fluid. Uh, it, it secretes constantly. Uh, this allows it to climb surfaces and trap its opponents, has a multitude of tentacles growing out of its back, all of them covered in this sticky, smelly substance. Anyone that gets hit with uh, with it, it's instantly covered in dis the disgusting slime and finds movement difficult. Um, you to wipe it all off. Ugh! Gross. It um, touched yeah, this uh, this thing looks. I mean, like I said, I'll link to this as well in the show notes. the The art for this is incredible. Looks like it was done by uh, someone by the goes by the name Ryan Barger. Uh, the the artwork looks absolutely disgusting. I love it. Um, it says that they are unlikely guard dogs. So this is kind of leaning into the idea we had. So despite being quite aggressive, some small humanoids such as kobolds have learned how to use ooze hounds as guards by providing food for them and keeping a respectful distance. A well-fed ooze hound is quite happy staying in place, so it can be used to guard a strategic location in a sewer, for instance. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I like the idea of like it being like a guard dog. I like the idea of uh, it capturing you, and if you escape on your own, it has it you know has that some sort of like uh, you know respect for you, and as a result you know, tries to impress you as you, as you have impressed it and starts bringing you stuff for, you know, I'd say like, oh, like 1d6 worth of days. Um, 
or one D four worth of weeks. And, uh, and yeah, you kind of have like a ooze hound pet for, for a little bit. That would be terrifying for like a month. I mean, like you never, like, you kind of <laughs> you set up camp and you wake up to random stuff. No, yeah, exactly. And it's all kind of, Oh like, God, what did it bring back this time? And it's all like a little sticky. <laughs> Smells terrible. I like this. So the ooze hound, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to continue working with this and I'll post the, uh, the final, uh, monster stat block on the, uh, D and D discord. Perfect. Actually, I just found the, the Pinterest thing. It looks like, um, one of the modified guard dogs from Resident Evil. No. Yeah, it absolutely. It does. Yeah. It looks, ah, oh, man, that, that artwork is, is really great. And in fact, the uh, on it, like it's the, the Pinterest, it, the image it looks exactly like a D book as far as like the formatting of the stat block um and then actually ryan barger the artist uh their url is listed so uh gonna check out to see if it's uh after the show uh see if it's still up and running because that guy does really good work oh definitely even all the other stuff that's on that page like no. his drawing of the tomb spider oh yeah like oh this is all Oh my god, that is amazing. This all looks really good. This I mean, I always be... think doom spiders were just big spiders that lived in tombs, but that is terrifying. Well, if you have any homebrew weapons or monsters that you want to throw our way, uh, impress us with your creative endeavors, or you got a, like an inkling of an idea and you want some help fleshing it out, by all means, hit us up on the D&D Lorecast Discord. A uh, link to that is in the show notes. You could email us at dndlorecast at gmail.com. Or you, like I said, in the middle of the show, you can. we're on all the social medias. We're at D&D Lorecast pretty much everywhere. Uh, X or whatever it's called now, Twitter, X, Twitter, X, X, Twitter, uh, Threads, Blue Sky, Mastodon, all those other Twitter-like apps. We're all we're on all of them. We can't figure out which one is going to survive the the culling, and so we're just like you know staking our claim to the to the D and D Lorecast username everywhere we can. But yeah, let us. Uh, we want to know about your homebrew weapons and monsters. Valari Coffee, thank you so much for joining us this month, and uh, we will discuss uh, some more topics next month. What do you say? Perfect. Good. Thanks for having us. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast, or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.com.